It's so hot right now. Um, but yeah, where where are we? So we are now. This is uh, this is still considered Alexandria. Yeah, Old Town Alexandria. Okay, so we are now on the sixth floor, overlooking Old Town Alexandria. Uh, I think, should we do what we're wearing first, because we're outside and it's nice? Uh, I think so, and as we go on, if it gets any hotter, we're going to be taking <laughs> yeah, out of clothing. We're going to be wearing less off. and less. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so William, it's going to be wearing? the slowest striptease ever known for radio. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work that well for radio, but you know. <laughs> um, so I, I've actually got this pair of, of seafoam green uh, cotton shorts and a... Uh, a linen striped linen shirt, uh, both from from Amazon's own brands. I think yeah. uh, the shirt's Good Threads. I can't remember who the shorts are by. Okay, um, comfortable. I mean, really stylish stuff. Given that, yeah. you know, given the price point and, and so forth, and solid quality so far. It looks super comfortable, which is important. Uh, and then, who are your sunglasses by? Oh, this is Warby Parker. Oh yeah. So these these are the Warby Parker tortoiseshells. Uh, is that the 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 online brand? Yes. Yeah. And yes. how and how was that uh, experience? You just kind of click and pay. It's easy. Like the quality looks amazing. It, it, I love it, the tortoise. It, it is. They've been super solid. I've got uh, like four pairs of them now. Um, and you enter in your prescription, and they make them. Uh, they've got a full range of different options, and easily cheaper than the majority of optometrists and the, and the markup that they put on both frames and lens production. So yeah, you know, really good. Um, and. A lot of stylish brands, they bring out new, sorry, a lot of stylish uh, frames. Okay. They bring out new models every season. Okay. Uh, so, so you can stay on trend at an affordable price. Just a good, solid company. Right. Not a sponsor. Yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> now, and then we're finally out here by the pool, so you can talk about this watch uh, in person now. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it, and what are these different? Okay, so you've talked about it before. Yep. Maybe a quick recap. It's uh, a so, so submersible. This is, uh, this is my this is my basic Seiko automatic divers watch, uh -huh. um, and it's you, know, you can get a variety of them. Seiko have been making them for a long time. It's a full-on automatic watch. It's also uh, a proper di divers watch. It's like 300 meter depth. Yeah. Uh, now, what, what are these colors? So it's got uh, from probably the 12 o'clock position to almost the like between to, the four and the five yeah to the four to the four okay and that's red yep and then the rest of it is like a blackish a dark blue navy blue okay so what is this signifying um so these were actually designed for divers okay and the uh a typical tank of air used to be one hour aha and so, so you when you'd be able timer. to look at your your watch you would know exactly how much air because you can move the bevel to when you start your dive Got it. And depending on which way you turn your bevel, you can say how much is left you know, in my one hour or how long have I been down for. Got it. And the 20 minutes was designed to, to just be able to, when you turn right, the dial should, to kill away, yeah, be able to warn should. you that you should start decomping now. Yes. So you don't get the bends yes. as you rapidly come up for air. Yes. Well, that's very cool. And, and yeah, it's very stylish and... Um, very affordable. Uh, very jealous because my my Omega has a bit of repair needed. Oh, I no. dunked it. I dunked it in Spain, uh, and there must be a seal or something uh, because yep. it, it fogged up, and so I got it out immediately. And it yep. dried up just fine, but it was clearly uh, in, in need of some some love and, and care. The, so what I, what am I wearing? I'm I've got on for I don't know the eighth episode in a row. <laughs> I think now. <laughs> Either, either I'm going to autograph it and sell it, or burn it, or burn it. <laughs> <laughs> if, 
eight, eight episode in a row without being washed. You know, it's been washed <laughs> by the rain. <laughs> Ooh, ick. We got caught in the rain on the fourth. So the modern dandy is all about how men look after themselves and carefully yes. make their decisions. In this case, not to wash. Uh, uh, so the the trunks, though, I wanted to talk about because these I found at a little pop-up in Williamsburg, and they're called Commotion, K-O-M-O-C-A-N. Uh, fun plan words, but they're so much fun. They're they're not a seersucker per se, but they've got that lovely striped quality about them. So very light, very comfortable, and they've, they're, they're excellent for the traveler because if you're staying at the hotel, uh, it has a little pocket up front for the key card, keeping it safe. That's what that's for. Um, yep. I imagine, or it could be a little baggie of Coke, I don't know. Probably not though, because it would get wet. Yeah. <laughs> Other people's keys, yes, that yeah. you pick up along the way. Condoms. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so they're really comfortable. And then underneath, for when I really want to get a good tan, Mudcat, this one's for you. I've got my American Apparel Speedo, uh, which I know Speedo's a brand, but yep. what would you call them then? Um, uh, banana bikini, uh, hammock. A banana. <laughs> Budgie <No>. smuggler. <laughs> Iguana pajama. I've got a nice dark blue American Apparel. Uh, well, just, I'm going to call them panties. I mean, they're basically the same size. Yeah. Uh, but great, great for getting a good tan. So I, I actually also have speedos on underneath my shorts, and yes. these are the the little uh, short short swim trunks. Yes, and they're actually genuine speedos uh, right. because yeah, it used to be an Australian band got brought a brand got bought out, all good. Um, uh, and again, same thing. I, I like that nice crisp tan line you get. Absolutely. Uh, with, with the with the edge of it, whereas yeah, with a, with a traditional board short, as the short moves around, you get that that ombre tan going right. up the leg. Yes, yes, yes. So we're just out here, two dandies, uh, taking a little sit by the pool, if you can hear kind of other folks in the background or uh, planes flying down the Potomac. Uh, apologies, but you know, it's just too nice to be inside doing this. And we just made an executive decision to come outside and, and uh, basically enjoy the sunshine. Working our tans. Yeah, oh, and then I'm wearing these sunglasses too. So I've got these uh, cheap, promotional fake Ray-Bans that you get at events. You know, they'll just hand them out and they're branded with whatever. And there's this they're beautiful light blue. I wear them all over the world. And uh, there's a really funny story that goes along with it that I'm gonna tell without naming names. A friend gave these to me, uh, who is the actual reason why we are friends. Uh, uh, this this gentleman- That's how far uh, back it goes. Yeah, lived at uh, the same place that I was living at, met him by the pool, and he kind of was a collector of, of people, or, or a bringer together of people, with uh, all kinds of zany ideas, and uh, so we had done a rap video where you were an extra. Yes. And uh, so my dandy lady was hanging out with you because you're, you know, you dress well, and she was like, I'm gonna talk to, to this person over here as another extra. And anyway, we became great friends, and these sunglasses were the last souvenir I had of this gentleman before uh, drugs took him and he went off the deep end. Yep. And hopefully he's all right out there somewhere, but uh, yeah. a, a great pair of sunglasses that, uh, uh, I will forever hold on to, even as they fall apart, because they're probably worth 30 cents. <laughs> but yeah, to think, me, they're priceless. And I think that's the key thing, is that, um, that they've become part of your personality, part of your personal style. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, so that's, you know, style doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, you know, it just has to be considered. 
Yes, yes. Uh, and, and it's it's one of those things where, it, you know, I have several pairs of Ray-Bans in different colors, and I have you know, some Tom, Tom Fords, Fords, which yes. I love. But sometimes that level of elegance <laughs> isn't what I want to say at the moment. Mm. And I want to intentionally wear something that's just a little bit more out there, a little bit more thrift shop, if you will. Yep. And uh, just tie that in because it's got a story. Yeah. So that's a lot more fun. And uh, and if you're still listening, everybody, welcome to the Modern Dandy's Guide to Manliness. <laughs> I'm Wes, and I'm here with Liam, if you couldn't tell already. It's the poolside edition. It is a poolside chat. <laughs> We're in our loungers. Uh, and... Uh, I just realized we'll have to do this quick because I didn't put on any sunblock before we started. So <laughs> this is what the red part of my watch yes. dial is good for. Is that in, I'm going to move it now and exactly 20 minutes right. we are going to have to go and spray down Wes. Yeah, okay. yeah. A video at nine. We'll end with uh, what sunblock are we not wearing? <laughs> <laughs> what aloe are we going to apply later? Uh, we thought that because it's summer and it's so nice out and while we could probably talk about the appropriateness of men's swimwear and have a whole conversation about that i, I didn't want to get into the whole underpinnings of uh, people's appreciation or lack thereof i just wanted to get something everybody could enjoy and have a nice light-hearted episode mm. i think we should talk about cars cars you're know, getting mm. out enjoying the sun uh, there's a, a a hidden episode that i haven't released yet where we talk about the lebaron <laughs> and i think i might just string this along so the audience just keeps hearing about the teaser the teaser for it <laughs> um, make them wait for the payoff but the cars particularly in the u.s and i'm so happy to to learn about how you came up uh in tasmania oh. and then as you've traveled around the world other people's appreciations of the automobile and uh, different places we've lived. We've lived in cities, we've lived in rural, mm. so that makes a huge difference. But nothing in my opinion, growing up in California, growing up as an American, you know, the the love relationship that we have with automobiles, and I'm stereotyping, but is, mm. is this feeling of escape. It's a feeling of leaving the responsibility and it's just that moment of the sun is out, the top is down, the tires are squealing out of the the parking lot or wherever it is you are and you can now just let go the responsibilities are left behind and uh, how you make that exit I think is why a lot of younger folks and then even just as you're picking cars for for the fun of it for mm. the I'll say the dandiness of it uh, can can mean a lot and it becomes an accessory not just an A to B now, was that a familiar experience? Did you have any of that in your growing up, or is that more of a West Coast yes. U.S. thing? So, so I think the the whole get out on the on the right, you know, get out on the road and you know, head down Highway One to the beach with the top down and you know the sun setting out over the Pacific is a, is a very California dream and, and yeah. aspiration. Yeah. Uh, and having done that several times, there's reason for that yeah. because it's <laughs> awesome. Yes. And there's nothing like getting to someone and say, hey, putting the top down on a car. And I have, I have a, a long passion for convertible cars, uh, even convertible cars that don't work very well. And simply because that sense of, of freedom, I think, is heightened when you take it out from being a metal box yeah. and, and you take it into being something where you, you 
you're interacting more with the environment. You're much more aware of the environment. So, you know, in London, I had an Audi convertible for a while. I had a Jeep Wrangler, which I absolutely adored. Um, not exactly the most practical, actually surprisingly practical car for London. I'm going to change that one because no one was going to run into the side of me. Um, <laughs> and and you know, while it's nice to be cocooned in you know, the comfort of something like a Bentley or a Range Rover or a Mercedes, right? that experience of, of being able to hear the engine and the air rushing past and the smells and the sights and the sounds, I just think is, is a you know, quintessential part of, of fun motoring. Yes. Um, not necessarily practical, though. And, no. And that's always the balance. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, there's, there's the whole convertible uh, as it affects the performance. So if your <laughs> enjoyment of, of automobiles is really, you know, the Highway 1 experience of hitting the corners in the best possible way at 5 in the morning and making your way up the coast when there's no traffic, the convertible may be a, a con if you're really a, well, an enthusiast. That but, is, I mean, let's, that let's is be true honest. That is true if it's the... If it's the LeBaron, which <laughs> was not the greatest thing for going around corners. No. Yeah, however, it did handle potholes really well, which was convenient. Was the, for the, the roof that made uh, the corner. I, I've taken the Porsche up and down Highway 1 several times since the soft top. Uh, well, and with right. the soft top down. Yeah. And, and I actually think it makes the cornering, it's not quite as rigid, yeah. um, but it's still more rigid than most cars. Oh, well, uh, it's... And, um, I mean, it's uh, engineered for, for that it's kind engineered of activity. For, yeah. it, it's into its... You know, it's into its uh, its element going around corners, right? And I won't I won't speak for everyone. I won't even speak for you. But I'll speak for myself in saying that I am not at the level of driving that I would notice the difference. So I'll go for the convertible because I'm not setting lap times here. Yeah. My personal bests are, are more about you know the enjoyment of the company in the car. Absolutely. Not uh, not how fast I hit a particular corner, but. For all those listening at home, we're, we're really interested. You know, leave, leave a comment, send us an email. We'd love to hear about it. There's this experience we're talking about right now. And then there's the whole just A to B. Yep. And now, Liam, I know that you have several choices for each <laughs> need. <laughs> at least you did at, at, in California. Well, but. at one point, yeah, I, I, I had four cars in San Francisco, <laughs> but I caught the bus to go to work. Yeah. Because um, uh, I had I had my Porsche, which I've had for a long time. It was my 35th birthday present to myself. Which, which kind of Porsche is it? Uh, Porsche 911, Carrera 4, so the all-wheel drive uh, nice. convertible. Do you um, remember what year it was? Uh, 2001. Okay, very nice car. And it, she's currently in hibernation. It's a she. Her name is Giselle. Uh, and, yes. uh, and, and, you know, I, I like naming things. It's fun. Yes. When is I your Jeep back to Tom Brady? No, not at all. <laughs> no, no my, my Jeep is the Techno Beast. Yes. Okay, uh, sorry, we're getting ahead. It, but it's, yeah, that, that was more utilitarian, but it's also still stylish. I mean, mm-hmm. there are a whole bunch of pig ugly functional things out there. And so one of the things at the moment I think that's, that's great is that the car companies still are making or are making things that are well-designed and attractive as well as affordable. So you can choose something um, I don't know. So we've been having a conversation about this because you're yep. about to for the first time in what, oh, six years? Oh, no longer than that. So for myself personally, this is not including the dandy lady, but for, for me to own a car, this will be now probably close to 10 years. And now you're moving from Brooklyn to the suburbs of Boston. Yes. So hello, uh, my dandies in the north. The deep, the deep north? That doesn't make any sense. Deep dandies? The deep dandies. <laughs> 
Sounds like an interesting pizza combo. The, uh, <laughs> the oh, the deep dandy. Boston dandies. <laughs> Hashtag. So yeah, everyone in Boston, uh, uh, by the time this is released, uh, I will be uh, living in Boston with the dandy lady and, and we'll be looking to make new adventures. We are needing to buy a vehicle because the metro system, while present, is uh, not quite as easy to move on the outskirts, mm. uh, which is where we'll be uh, living and working. Yeah. And so needing of a vehicle. So we're back into the hunt, whereas before we were not. And, and uh, it's an adventure all its own just to search. There's so many different things, yep. you know, some of the things to consider. And, and while the enjoyment that we've been talking about so far is where I might put most of my focus, I do have to come back to the reality and understand mm. Uh, that you have to safely get from point A and point B. So, you know, I'm looking at, uh, this is something that, you know, the one thing that I truly care about more than anything is going to be driving this. Yeah. So automobiles, they have to be safe. They well, can't yeah. just be flashy. I like the combination of form and function. That's a very yeah. dandy thing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the fun factor. So, yes. you no, know, the LeBaron had a charm all of its own. Um, not mechanically reliable, um, uh, not mechanically well made, uh, no. but tremendous fun. If you wanted yes. to go to Baker Beach uh, with, a, with a car full of, of ladies in sun hats, right. the LeBaron was the preferred ride. Yes. So ladies loved the LeBaron yes. way more than they ever loved or impressed by the Porsche. The Porsche right. is a fantastic yeah. machine. As we were talking about on the watch episode, it's yeah. like I buy my watches because I like them. I bought the Porsche not because I was trying to impress anyone. And I don't really think you should ever buy anything to try and impress anyone other than yourself. Right. Because that way you list, you're list on that slippery slope of it becoming an artifice. And that's, well, not knowing that's yourself. Not, not dandy. Yeah. Yeah. I always buy things that you can afford. And so I, I'd aspired to wanting to own Porsche 911 for a long time, from when I was a boy. And you know, more so than a Ferrari, more, more so than the uh, Lamborghinis or anything like that. And then when I was at a position to, to do that... I. I did. I bought that, and yep. then I had a Ford Explorer, which was my my sort of day-to-day -day run around during winter. Right, was what I would drive. Even though the Porsche, it wasn't so much that the Porsche can't handle the winter because it can. I mean, it's German. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's, it's all wheel it's drive. It's all wheel drive. It's actually a superbly competent car in any weather condition, um, and I got all weathers. I think I've Michelin's on it at the moment. It was more the other drivers, and yeah. and if if, yeah. if someone's going to run anything, it was. A, my spotless baby or is it my my utilitarian ford explorer still right. a good car well and then there's there's the general impact like if something's going to hit you yeah you, you want to be able to absorb it yeah but getting back form mm. and function yes there's this idea okay getting to point a to point b if you you know if you're generally in america you're commuting if you're uh, uh by the way quick digression we're getting a good solid following in el salvador hola amigos yes thank you for listening el salvador the, uh, but if you're if you're in the U.S. Uh, or really any major city uh, across the world, you know you're, you've got your commuter car, and I don't like to get too hung up on, you know, gas mileage this, gas mileage that. A quick uh, kind of bit of conversation into in the the modern age now, where we're looking at um, the consequences of you know particular actions. You know, you're trying to look for the global view a green view uh, uh, this and that you know what weight are, are you putting on choices there as far as 
Ooh. what's happening to the environment versus okay. you know, the type of car that you're driving and, I, I, and is this going to start a rant? I can nerd <laughs> out on this in a major way. Yeah. Um, so the thing to do if you really want to look at like the, the total energy debt accumulated in making a car, energy and pollution and those kind of things, it comes in the manufacture. So if you want right. to reduce cost, don't buy a new car, buy a secondhand car. Right. You're already them being more environmentally sensible. Right. Um, if you're buying a high-performance car, I would say always buy a second-hand car because almost all of them have only got, like my Porsche, four years old, had 10,000 miles on the clock. It was basically right. a brand-new Porsche. And also just the depreciation. Exactly. I so, mean, it's just a financially responsible decision yeah, too. Exactly. Yeah. So, so for things like that, and for, for many cars, you get them in two, three years old. The only reason I bought the, my Jeep, got a Jeep Grand Cherokee high-altitude V6, was I wanted all of the safety gear all of the cameras and the sensors right. and those kinds yeah, of yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, the and technology was, had hit a point that you That I was like going, that's actually that. worth it. I can see the upgrade path to yes. semi-autonomy being built into the vehicle. Right. And so, okay, I tend to hold on to vehicles for at least five years. Right. No, I would have held on to the Baron, but, you know, I wasn't going to move it out here. Yeah, I don't anyway. think it would have survived on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. And I know we were going to talk about other modes of transport, So I think, and I think that's we'll part of We'll get there, it, yeah. Is, is that... Uh, with the car is that fuel economy is not necessarily going to be your biggest cost. It's actually reliability that's yeah. going to cost you probably more than, than any difference between the fuel economies are. Um, I know one of my friends, I think, put 400,000 miles on his Prius. Uh-huh. You know, and it, it, you know, it, it never lost a... You know, it, it had routine maintenance. It never had a major mechanical problem. Right. And that was in Utah, in Salt Lake City. Oh, yeah. So snow, ice, right. rain, this kind of thing. Yeah. But that's the kind of thing that's going to make a real difference to mm-hmm. you financially and also to the environment. The less mm-hmm. repairs, the less right. materials that are going right. into, the better it's made, the longer you hold on to it are all things yeah. that are responsible. So you pick a car, pick a good one, and look at the total cost of operations and ownership, not just fuel economy. Right, exactly. No, that's an excellent point just right there in the beginning of if you're buying a a well-designed new car, you're costing more to the environment than if you had just bought a similar car used. Let's go into those different modes of transportation because I do see a lot of options living and working in the New York City metro uh, I can list off just from the top of my head, you know, of course, you've got the shared rides, mm-hmm. uh, the cars. So you've got uh, the zip cars and there's a whole smattering of competitors. The cars to go, which came out with the little tiny smart cars yep. in their inventory. They're thinking about ease of parking. Yep. Uh, I'm sticking with things with motors. Uh, and then what just came out in the Queens, Brooklyn uh of boroughs was uh, these little scooters. I don't mean the push, the electric push, mopeds. Yeah, the mopeds. Yeah. Uh, which parking is, it solves the parking problem right away. They have two helmets in the, uh, yeah, in the uh, pannier, whatever you yep. call it, the not trunk, but the little box. So you can ride around. I've seen them around. Uh, I've seen people riding them. They're very safe, very visible also. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great uh, option. Um, and then kind of coming on down from that, you've, you've got the push scooters, like, you know, so little razors with electric motors. Yeah, the bird, lime, all those yeah, things. All yeah, all those. And so, and, and I'm sure there are others, uh, but if I kind of go around and look at all these, and this is not to count the, the actual 
uh, taxi and rideshare. Ride like yeah. uh, I rating them, I'm going to go. You know the the electric mopeds as number one. Mm. I wish there were a whole lot more of them because then drivers would start to become aware of how to interact. Right now, I think that they're probably the most dangerous tied possibly with those push cart scooters. So the push scooters have turned um, out to be very Extremely dangerous. dangerous. Mostly uh, because people aren't, they're not thinking. The and, riders themselves And, you, and you thinking. have to have the right sort of license to ride the electric ones. Yes. The, yeah. the electric um, There the is a check. Pens. Yeah, there's a, there's a um, licensing fee you go through and, and I think when the company I used to work for uh, was involved in the original London bike share scheme, uh-huh. uh, and they set all of that up, Oh yeah, bicycles. S- Sorry, bicycles. Yeah, we forgot bicycles. A whole bunch of, and I love all the city bikes and everything that are kicking around, all the different bike shares yeah. that, that are there. I think they're fantastic. Um, a- again, you, know, you have to have a level of competence in riding them. Uh-huh. And, and you know, always wear a helmet, people, because do you know what's not dandy? Head injury. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you might think it's fun and so forth. Head injury. I mean, yeah. the, the, the spate of head injuries, and just have a look at the statistics of the number of people who have suffered from head injuries because most people don't bother carrying a helmet. And whether right. you're riding a bicycle, an electric moped, as I said, they've, they've been forced to at least they're doing something about yeah, that. Yeah. All those little rideshare scooters, yeah. or even just rollerblades, is that your head is fragile. Yes. And that if one little tumble yeah. could end up being a very, very serious injury. Yes. And, and that is being borne out by the statistics. Anyway. Safety tip. The more you know. The more you know. Yeah. Uh, make Safe. careful decisions. Pu- public um, service announcement by the modern dandies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. the difference between if you're in a metropolitan area yes. where a few blocks, a few miles is all you need to travel to traverse a whole, a whole set of different experiences or adventures. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you are out in a more rural area, even a bicycle might be an adventure all on its own. Yeah. Which, not not to discount that, but if it's a daily piece, that that might be a bit far for for most people. Uh, in, in which case, you know, the the automobile can be the right choice. But for those who have that advantage, mm. uh, I'm looking now. We, we mentioned earlier getting a vehicle, but that's mostly because Boston winters are terrible, <laughs> and I don't think I'll just I won't even leave home. But for when it's nice out, I mean, I'm looking at you know a 10 mile range of what I can do on yeah. a bicycle yeah. because the bicycle, I agree with you completely, I can't believe you forgot, it's, I think it's the best way to get around a metropolitan area. I, I love it, I mean it's, it's healthy, it's fun, it can be stylish, mm-hmm. um, uh, picking bikes and finding a bike is like my ugh, reasons for leaving San Francisco is that in this period of like five months all my bikes have been stolen, garage yeah. got broken into twice and so my, my much beloved specialized sector my road bike got stolen. That, yeah. That was my FU San Francisco. I'm out of here. Yeah, my little foldy bike got stolen. Uh, and your foldy bike got stolen. Yeah. Um, uh, I bought a new bike here. Really looking forward to uh, to going and, and chewing up some road. What's your What's that. your bicycle that you're on now? Do you know? You know, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Yeah. Because it's been like five months since I rode it. Which it was well, just, yeah, it's just getting back into, you know, rideable weather. That's the thing about East Coast is that, yeah. you know, very opposite of... The West Coast, where it's just kind of nice all the time. Even if it's raining, it's still kind oh, of yeah. nice. Oh yeah, I mean, we can. I, I would get out at, at lunchtime if I was working at home, go and do ten miles up 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 the Bay Bridge and back from the Oakland side. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, that was just a fifty-five minute ride, a good bit of exercise. Yeah. And I could do that all year. Yeah. You know, yep. Because of the, the weather. Yeah. Yeah. Here is the moment. 
it gets it starts getting really slushy and right. and, and sloppy. Yeah. Firstly, it's pretty congested around here, and so you have to keep an eye out for drivers. Yeah. Um, and and secondly, it just gets very slippery underneath the underneath the wheels. Yeah, I, I would say just kind of wrapping up this portion of the conversation, if you can walk, walk. If you can ride the bike, ride the bike, because it gives you that experience we talked about at the very beginning, which is you are experiencing what's around you. And you got you have that sense of freedom. Even if you're going to work, you still have this sense that you're escaping somehow and that you're getting more in touch with, you know, just your neighborhood, your neighborhoods as you as you travel from point A to point B. Yeah. So I, I would agree that that is by far the best choice. But if you can't, if you're in a more rural area or if you have to travel uh, to exceptional distances and you don't have that option, uh, if weather allows, you know, get that convertible if you can afford it, you know, or, or just con consider the, the enjoyment aspect yep. in, in, your, in your travels. I want to change topics. Yes. I want to talk, let's dream big here, and you're the right person to have this conversation <laughs> with. You have obtained some of your dream cars. You I mentioned have. You mentioned the, the Porsche being one of your milestones. Uh, so we know that the answer to what was your dream car as a, as a kid, or you obtained one of them. Was there another that sort of just, so you're growing up, you're, you're teenage Liam in an island south of an island. It's the <laughs> island at the arse end of nowhere. Um, and so you're thinking to yourself. Shout out to all my Tasmanians. Yes. Um, what was the car that kind of... So it, it's it's really funny. There there are a few that I that I liked, and some of them I've grown out of, and some of them have morphed. Right, um, right. As a younger Liam, though, what was that one that stuck out to you? So the XJS Jaguar. Ooh. The the original V12 XJS Jag. Yeah. I always thought was just sensational. The other is the the original six series Beamer. Okay. Uh, which was looked like a it looked like a shark. Yeah, the modern six series, I don't it's, think, yeah, not so much. Sort of missed. Um, and they were only produced for a very limited run. Mm -hmm. uh, I always, I always admired it. You know, they, they, these were, you know, interesting. You know, for me, very attractive cars. Yeah, that, and what was it? Were, so these, these are more. Was it the luxury of it? Was it the the power? Like, what were the characteristics? So that uh, kind of drove the you to them. The fact that they looked both of them looked like. They looked like they were moving fast, even when they were standing yeah. still. Yes. And, and then there was so that the undeniable power of both of them. Right. And just that uncompromising sense of of style mm -hmm. to these cars. Mm -hmm. um, the other one that I always liked, um, and still like to this day, it, it's in my top three vehicles I've not yet owned, uh, are Range Rovers. Yeah. Yep. As a, the old ones, the new ones, um, with the exception for that brief period where they've been got bopped around between Ford and BMW and so yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think uh, Jaguar Land Rover it's still making fantastic cars yep. across the range, but a Range Rover for me is just like so you have a full size range. So you really tend to you get into these British cars then. I think that they they, they generated a sense of style. I remember this guy I worked with who, at, when I was in, in California, who was a little bit younger. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, and she's pretty about your age. Okay. And uh, he had commented that when he was growing up in Texas, he said cars were only utilitarian. He said he could not think of a single aspirational car that he had ever actually physically seen. 
Mm -hmm. Everything was things that the baby boomers talked about, the Mustangs, oh, I love my pony cars. Yeah, yeah. You know, those, the cars from the 50s and 60s, but by the 80s when he was at high school and so forth, mm -hmm. there was nothing except these bland, you know, beige, boring designs. There was nothing interesting being produced by the American car industry. We uh, may have to pause due to we rain. We may have to pause due to weather. Uh, although we're going to... So, so everybody, the sunshine has gone away. Uh, can I point out, exactly at the 25 minute mark, so Wes won't get a sunburn. Well, that's been a weekend for raining on people's parades, hasn't uh, it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Range so, Rovers... Yeah, what? we were talking about British cars, we were talking about... Uh, uh, why? Why, why, yeah. why my friend... And, and I'd never really thought about it that way, because mm -hmm. growing up in Australia, we did have cars that were still aspirational. So Australia used to have a really good domestic car industry that produced models that were powerful and, and pretty attractive. You know, Fords and Holdens and so Holdens are General Motors products um, that were performance. Australians love their V8s. We've got big distances. Yes. There was also a rally scene. So you have these smaller cars like the Japanese cars, the Skylines, yeah. um, the Mazdas, Ooh, the RX-7s, the RX-3s, the RX-5s. Uh, you know, all of these, you know, the, which are the rotary engines, yeah. right, little pocket yeah. rockets. Right. Um, so all of this was, was there growing up. We had Italian cars, we yes. had the, the Alfa Romeo GTVs, which are just like <gasps> still breathtakingly yes. gorgeous cars. Yes. Uh, not very reliable. No. Uh, and then we had the Fix It Again <laughs> tanks, the, the Fiats. Um, but again, I mean, these are cars that, that had style and character and personality as well as generally being pretty practical. Right. Uh, this guy was like going, I just totally don't get it because it, everything was like a beige box. Yeah. There, there was nothing in the 80s, even the and through the 90s he felt right. until they Ford started Going brought back, back the Mustang yeah. and brought back mm -hmm. the Mustang as a decent car as opposed to a soggy piece of shit which yes. it was for for the best part of, of, of a decade and a half apologies for those people that like those Mustangs but you know no no, no they're terrible the, there's this thing that happened in the US across multiple creative industries and I don't know if this is in other places of the world and I'm speaking purely just on an op-ed sense I have no mm. actual data to back this up but my experience from the music industry, which people know me, which is vast, <laughs> he said sarcastically, uh, was that the financial aspects of these industries really took off and that the creative sides were some of the first to be cut as far as how can you raise the bottom line? How can you start getting more profit out of an industry well, it was to take away the budgets on a lot of the it, artistry. It shows that they basically became forms of monopoly. Right. So where, uh, I was like, Henry Ford's, one of Henry Ford's statements was that, you know, the, the uh, company should be making a product, you know, should be making the best possible product for the lowest possible price. When you have various forms of cartelization and monopolization, whether it's tacit or explicit, collaboration between companies the opposite happens is that yeah. you get the worst possible product yeah. at the at the lowest possible price right and then you're just forcing the consumer to suck it up right just and, take and it whether it's fast food or whether it's cars whether it's whether it's uh, yeah, music, like, art, writing, music art writing anything so once you get a few big people that say oh well if we just produce the same generic formulaic crap right we can make a, a profit margin off it. Then all of the competition becomes in how cheaply you can produce. Right. Now, thankfully, I think that we have kind of gotten past the majority of that, at least in the automobile industry. I, I'm yeah. seeing a lot of creativity come out 
and it you know it's i'm sure it's cyclical and we'll we'll come to a downside again but the cars that are seeing now are to to most parts i think very visionary very much coming back to the artistry uh, and maybe technology is helping out because the cost of manufacturing has gone down. And, and they also, or, it's the funny thing about you know, tariffs, tariffs are protective measures. There are you know, a tax on imports, there's a tax on exports. Um, and so that, that tends to protect inefficient domestic businesses. Mm -hmm. and, and that was certainly what the car companies relied on fairly heavily. Uh, and also a non-discerning consumer. Right. If you have those two kind of things, you can make you know, enough money, but one problem with that is that without creativity, you become stagnant. Yes. Uh, the economist Schumpeter, you know, one of his principles is that uh, you know, every uh, monopoly contains the seeds of its own destruction. And, and, and I used to use, still use, the, the car industry, American car industry, as an example of, of how its, its blindness to the threat posed by other forces almost caused its complete and utter demise. Right. And... Uh, I think you know, that competition has been where we have suddenly seen these fantastically well-made, affordable cars produced in competitive markets, uh -huh. Europe, Asia, and so on, being able to, to enter the US market you know, with, with Fiat bringing, although still a joke, the fact that you have to have <laughs> Fiat take over your company because of quality <laughs> control <Yeah>. issues, <laughs> to me is uh, nothing against Fiat's, I love Fiat's, I've owned several Fiat's. Uh, I found several Fiat's that even worked. Was indicative. Yes, yes. So we've been talking a little bit about automobiles and, and being a part of a creative industry. At what point do you think it's acceptable to think of the automobile as an extension of art in the repertoire of a dandy's accessories? Um, so a, a combination of, of always <laughs> yeah. and, and, and never. Uh, no, so, so. <laughs> yeah, good, oh good. So a fair balance somewhere there. <laughs> um, I, I always think it's worth, anyway, it's the whole thing of dandiness. It's like, it's like considering, thinking about how you, um, what you're driving says about you and whether anyone really cares. Right, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, that, that said that you have to be careful that you don't drive something that, that makes someone think about you the way that you want them to think about you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the image uh, you project is the, the image, image project, perceived. Um, however, you can have fun. This is like my right. my little my little Scion TC, the mm -hmm. the release series five that I had, which was a fabulous little go kart. Yes. Um, my my midlife crisis car. My Porsche was a sensible acquisition. <laughs> it, it perfectly yes. fit my lifestyle. Right. Appropriate for the age. Still appropriate for the age. Yeah. Um, the, the Scion I bought because I just wanted to mod the hell out of a car. I did feel a little bit like I was in a real-life Mario Kart when I drove it. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly what I, what I designed for, with, 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 the, with the obnoxiously loud exhaust because yes. of the cold air intake. It's probably because every time I hit a banana peel, it would, it would literally spin, spin out. It, spin no. out. <laughs> <laughs> or hit a green turtle shell. <laughs> uh, okay, we, we've talked about basic transportation. We've talked about... Uh, some of the easier ways to get around a city on the, the shared mm. things. Cars We've talked though. about dream cars. You know, how do we want to leave people? I think we should talk about how should you show up at the Intercontinental? What is the movie scene? What are the tips for the dandies? Like, okay, this is how you make an entrance with your vehicle. One of the key accessories that I always had was bottles of Verfklikai. 
<laughs> so whenever you step out of a car with a couple of unopened bottles of Verve Clico, you are the fun person, mm -hmm. no matter what or where you are. Yes. Um, had, doing this for a job interview, a little risky, but, <laughs> but you know, it depends on the job. Unless, yeah, unless it's for um, wine distribution. And that's, that's, that's pretty much what, what I do is, is, I've turned up to multiple Intercontinentals yes. in, in, the, in the Porsche with the top down with companion or a lady in, in, the, in the seat. Yeah. Um, the thing that you always are is be nice. Be nice, yeah. It's, it's like smile to the valet, tip the valet, Yeah. You know, talk to the doorman. Uh, they will remember you in the car. The right. other thing is, just one, one last anecdote and then I yes. hand over to you. I, I remember once I was buzzing around the Northern Virginia, say so 2006 or so, and a friend of mine said, hey, uh, having drinks at the Hay Adams Hotel, why don't you come and join us? And I was like going, cool. And so I just driving around, I've just been literally out in the countryside buzzing around in the porch. So I head into downtown DC and just as I'm getting there, I'm realizing that I'm in my, my sort of Japanese Subo sneakers, a pair of like really battered jeans <laughs> and a punk rock t-shirt and I'm driving a Porsche. Yeah. And so I pull up to the door and it's Adams, it's a very posh hotel. Right. And I, I jump out and I said, I'm just going down to Off the Record, which is the, the, the bar in the basement of the, of the Hay Adams Hotel. Yes. Um, uh, am I dressed appropriately? And the doorman like looks at me, looks at the car, looks at me again, <laughs> opens the door to the hotel and goes, welcome, sir. <laughs> yes. And, and I had the grace to check. Yes. Uh, and yes. I was completely inappropriately uh, dressed yet again. You, you might notice a recurring theme. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> For us dandies. <laughs> but in, this, in this particular case, the yeah. car was my tuxedo. Yes, that's right. That's right. It was the jacket. The dinner jacket was the car. Yeah. No, and that's, that's really the thing. It's just that I... I from a person who grew up in a car generation, you know, which is really any generation on the West Coast. Mm. And I'll play that up that I grew up in Northern California, the, the dream of driving up Highway 1, I mean, that was me growing up. Like learning how to drive was in a car on Highway 1, like up and down by the ocean. And, and just, so the nostalgia of showing up and making that entrance and making that exit with your automobile it is a piece of it. So the exit, of course, you know, that's tires squealing, you know, and mm -hmm. all that. But the entrance is really important. And you really hit it there of, you've got, it's a team effort. An entrance is not just you on your own with your car. It is the, the reaction to the valet. It's the body language of those other characters in this, in this play of, of entering at a nice high-end hotel. And, and I want to just reiterate your point, which is that you have to acknowledge that and treat them well because they are going to be the ones who really sell that entrance. And again, it's not really for everybody else. This is entirely for me. I love yet yeah, you know, you you roll in, you give the person the nod, the valet. They're already on the move to open the door, not for you, for your date. Because that was the other thing I was going to say. It's it's not, you know, uh, bottles of bubbles Great, but yes, it's, it's about who's in the car with you that is so important. And uh, we have all the accessories, the footwear, the hanky, the, hanky, you know, the, the, the clothing, and I love the whole punk rock story. I mean, that's, that's excellent. But as much as it is about the initial response of the car pulling in, and then you as the driver, it immediately is gonna shift to what's happening around you, and that's gonna be the date, that's gonna be the valet, and, and, and it's just, you wanna cultivate good people around you to make those entrances and it's, and it's I, like yeah. I think there's a couple of things and the car goes along with this it goes along with the stuff we're talking about watches mm -hmm. and, and clothes 
you know, coming back to like the lesson I took away from the main one of the main lessons I took away from from learning the Argentinian tango is is that the woman is the picture and the man is the frame. Right. And I think that's actually a good good life metaphor. Yeah. Is is that think of yourself as as framing what other people see, and so it's not being about you. Right. It, it it's about how considered you've been in getting to where you are. Right. Um, I think the other aspect that that becomes really key is the whole element of making a conscious choice. So the, I remember the, there was a very famous description of, of you know, how a gentleman got dressed, this is English again, mm-hmm. uh, was, was that he, he needs to look like he has selected his clothes with care, had them tailored perfectly, put them on with diligence and then f- completely forgotten about them. Yes. And, and so it's not about, hey, look at my car, look at my yeah, watch, look yes, at this. It's, yes, it's about, yes, yes. it's that grace with which you move through. And that to me is, is pretty much the essence of, of, of dandiness and extends to everything. Our yeah. houses, our cars, mm-hmm. and I know we're going to be talking about charm. And, and right. I think charm is like one of the essential elements of, of really being a, a, a true dandy. Yes, well said. Let's wrap it up because I need to put on some sunblock <laughs> uh, and probably uh, some burn bandages uh liam it's it's been excellent as always we're not drinking anything at the moment we rushed out here we were so excited to get into the sun so we'll go remedy that in in a moment um everyone out there if you have any comments or questions or you'd like to tell us what your dream car is please email us at themoderndandy.life find us on instagram find me in boston thank you all for listening it's been a pleasure and we're out Ta-da!